Well, greetings from Austin, Texas, uh, and an amen. Thank you. This is going to go well. Uh, got an amen on my greeting. Glad to be here now. Um, like Josh said, we have been longtime friends, and so I have heard him speak uh, so highly of this church. Uh, he loves this town. He loves this church, and so I am honored uh, to be with you all because I know how much Josh loves you all. And having known Josh for, it's getting close to two decades now, one of the things I know about him is that he is a, a great preacher, but he's an even better person. And uh, I've made a ranking of preachers kind of our age in terms of who's the best person, which kind of shows why I'm at the bottom of that list, uh, the fact that I would do that. But Josh is always at the top, because you have preachers who are good preachers, and you see the best of them on Sunday morning. But Josh, the best of him isn't just on stage. It's who he is as a person. And so I am uh, grateful for you all to have such a wonderful preacher like Josh. And I am uh, excited to, uh, to preach in the same place that he preaches to you all every week. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. As we continue in worship, let me say a prayer. God, we thank you that the resurrection brings us all together. That no matter where we come from, no matter what background we have, no matter what skeletons we have in our closet, we all come here in need of the life that we can only find in you. God, would you give us a beautiful picture of what resurrection means to us? We pray this in your name. Amen. My dad's brother, my uncle, uh, lives in San Antonio, and he's a veterinarian. Many years ago, my Uncle Gary and his partner decided they had to split up their practice. It had grown too much. And so my uncle's partner got all the dogs, and my Uncle Gary ended up with all the cats. Because sometimes bad things happen to good people. And he had a, a, a patient a few years after the, the split that had a cat that was older, towards the end of its nine lives. And my uncle said... You know, Mr. Fluffles is getting up in years. We're going to do the procedure, but he's older. And so my uncle does the procedure, and Mr. Fluffles, he doesn't make it. And so my uncle walks out and says, Sir, I'm, I'm really sorry to tell you, but Mr. Fluffles didn't make it. He says, Well, Dr. Norsey, what are we going to do about it? My uncle goes, I, Sir, I don't think you understand Mr. Fluffles didn't make it. He's, he's not alive. And then the person says, no, Dr. Norsworthy, you don't understand. Money is no object. Well, I was like, he's, he's dead. Like, nine lives are over. Like, what do, you, what do you do? It's just awkward. Like, death sometimes brings out the, the awkwardness because you don't know what to say. You don't know what to, to do. You don't know how you're supposed to feel. You're not, supposed to, you're not sure how you're supposed to act. You don't know what to do about it. Now, there was a um, situation that happened on March 17th of 2012 in the English Premier League, which is soccer for those of us who are Americans. And there was a, a tragedy that took place. And I'm going to show you this clip. Um, and this is a, uh, an athlete named Fabrice Mumba. Are you watching it right here? And this is in the middle of an English Premier League game. And what happens is this 23-year-old athlete, Fabrice Mumba, has fallen down on the ground. And they're not sure what's taking place, but what is taking place, as you can see, ESPN is zoned out. They don't want to zoom in too much on this. 
But what's happening is Fabrice Mumba in the corner of the screen is on the ground and his heart has stopped beating. He's a 23-year-old athlete and all of a sudden it stops. And so he's on the soccer pitch for seven minutes. And what, what you haven't seen is there's a cardiologist who's uh, sitting just by the field. He sees us. He runs on the field along with other doctors for the team, and they began performing CPR, and it's not working. And so after seven minutes, they take him off the pitch, and they take him to a local hospital. You can turn the clip off now. They take him to a local hospital where for the next 78 minutes, his heart is not beating. And it's not until the 15th defibrillator shock does his heart stop, start beating again. So here's a picture of him. Uh, this is a year later with his wife, and this is their newborn son that was born uh, a year after the event. So they're doing great. He's healthy. Now, the day after this took place, there was a news story that ran with the headline, Fabrice Mumba Resurrected. Resurrected. Now, that's one of our words as people of the Christian tradition. And so as we hear that word, Fabrice Mumba resurrected, I don't know about you, but it makes me wonder, is that really the right word? What happened to him was amazing, a blessing, a gift, an answer to prayer, a miracle, all those things definitely. But was he resurrected? No, he was resuscitated because... When you're resuscitated, you come back to life as it was. Actually, it was, it's worse for him. He no longer can be the athlete that he always wanted to be. He had to give up soccer, which might not be a bad thing, honestly. All right. We're warming up here. We're warming up. But it's resuscitation because you go back to the same life with the same issues and the same drama and the same problems. That's resuscitation. Uh, there was a, uh, a gentleman down in Texas who passed away not too long ago. His name was Leslie Chirping Jr. And his daughter w- wrote uh, a eulogy for him, or excuse me, an obituary. And I'm going to read part of that to you directly from the Funeral Homes website in Texas. Now, let me read this to you. Leslie Ray Charping was born in Galveston, Texas on November 20th, 1942 and passed away January 30th of 2017, which was 29 years longer than expected and much longer than he deserved. This doesn't get better. Leslie was surprisingly intelligent. However, he lacked ambition and motivation to do anything more than being reckless, wasteful, squandering the family savings, and fantasizing about get-rich-quick schemes. Leslie's hobbies included being abusive to his family, expediting trips to heaven for the beloved family pets, and fishing, which he was less skilled with than the previously mentioned. I like, she's like, you know, he liked to fish, but he was really bad at it too. (laughs) Leslie's remains will be cremated and kept in the barn until Ray, the family donkey, his wood shavings run out. Leslie's passing proves that evil does in fact die and hopefully marks a time of healing and safety for all. Now, if someone got a defibrillator and brought Leslie Charping back to life, what would he have? All the same problems. 
all the same issues, all the same drama that it sounds like he created. What he needs is not resuscitation. What he needs is resurrection. Because those are two different things. And the Christian tradition is one that doesn't espouse resuscitation. It's not about bringing you back to the same old life, to the same old issues, the same old problems. It's resurrection which creates new life. Uh, Let me read the text for today from Romans 8. My eyes are not good enough to read from back there. I will read from up here. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. If you believe in Him, as Jesus would say in John's Gospel, if you believe in me, even though you die, you will live. Because, as Paul says, the same Spirit is in you that raised Jesus from the dead. So even though you face death, you will experience life. And we're not talking about resuscitation that brings you back to the same issues and the same drama and the same problems. We're talking about resurrection. Because that Spirit is in you, the same Spirit that raised Jesus. So you have life. The problem is many of us know death. We experience it. We feel it. Some of us here today are still feeling the after effects of death. Uh, Yesterday at this time, I was in Austin, and I was in my truck driving to our church's building where I was performing the funeral for one of my friends who passed away a week and a half ago, leaving a wife and two teenage kids. My friend Sean, one day, he's texting me, hey, what is this person who tweeted me? What is he trying to say? And the next day, I, I'm getting a phone call saying he had a heart attack at age 46, and he's gone. So yesterday, I'm sitting here at, at our building preaching, and there is a teenage son and a teenage daughter and a, and a widow who's not much older than my wife sitting in the front row. And I'm hearing a message about we have been taken away from death. But I feel it. I feel it today. I'm hoping this is the first sermon I'll have preached in the last 10 days that I won't cry substantially during the middle of. And you know this. You know the feeling. We tell a story of resurrection, but we feel death. We tell a story of Jesus as being victorious over death, but we experience the effects of it. So how does that work? Uh, I have three daughters. Uh, My oldest daughter is nine. And a few months ago, we were uh, at our house in Austin. And my my oldest daughter, Avery, comes up. um, I'm, I'm in our room, and she says, Daddy, Daddy, I need help. So in a second, I'm busy, which means I was checking Twitter on my phone. And she says, Dad, Dad, I need help. 
And I, I walk out there and I see her and she is in serious distress. And so I do what any good father would do. I get my phone out and I take a picture. So this is my, my, my oldest daughter. True story. To get my, her permission to tell this, I had to buy her a $120 doll. I'm not even joking. So you better enjoy this. So what happens a few months ago, she comes into the room and she has this round brush that she has gotten stuck in her hair. She's tried to like curl it or something and it's now stuck in her hair and she can't get it out. And side note, she is far more responsible than I ever will be at the age of nine. So this is a serious problem for both of us. Now, because mom is gone, like she's, she's working that day. So I'm like, of course this happens to me. And she's thinking, of course this happens to me. I try to pick it apart, and I'm not having any success. And so I realize we need to step up our game. And so this is after about 30 minutes. So I decide we're going to the garage. We're getting the tools out. And so we go to the garage. And so what I've done is I've cut off the ends of this round brush. And I'm starting to, like, uh, get cut off each of the individual little spokes of the brush. Let's go to the next slide right there. Uh, so I'm making some progress right there. There's my dog in the back, just being useless. <laughs> just like, I don't care. Anyway, and so after two hours, we're all exhausted, except the dog who's still useless. And so I say, all right, we're going to take a break. Well, we take a break for a little while. My wife comes home. Three minutes later, the brush is out. Um, but let's leave that to the side. That doesn't matter. The point is, what I was trying to do, and my theory was great, Practice wasn't good, but the theory was great. If I remove every little spine of that round brush, even though the hair is wrapped around the brush, it's no longer entangled in the brush. You feel me? Got that? Can I say you feel me here? At my church, it's like, oh, that's okay. You guys, I don't know. We're, I think we're good. But even though the hair is wrapped around the brush, the thing that entangles it is gone. You might still be wrapped around it, but you're no longer entangled in it. Earlier in the book of Romans, Romans 3, Paul says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but are freely justified by the gift of grace through the redemption of Jesus. Now that word, the redemption, in the first century, according to N.T. Wright, would have been the equivalent of the word emancipation, in our culture, to be set free from slavery. In the first century, if someone was experienced the redemption, it meant that someone went up to their owner, their slave owner, paid the price, and all of a sudden they were now free. So the redemption is this freedom from slavery. But in the Jewish mindset, that refers to one specific act of emancipation. It's the emancipation, the redemption that came when Israel was set free from Egyptian slavery. God set them free from being in bondage to, to, in, to Pharaoh in Egypt. And so what Paul does here in Romans 3, that all have been set free by the redemption of Jesus Christ, Paul is saying that what Jesus did is the new exodus. You have now been set free not from Pharaoh, but from death. You might still be wrapped up in death, but you are no longer entangled in death. You have been set free because the same one who raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you and will let you be set free 
from death. Amen? When my friend Sean passed away Thursday before last, 10 days ago, last Sunday at church, we hadn't had the memorial service yet. And so I have to speak to a congregation that all knows Sean. Sean's a very prominent person in our church and the community. He was a sportscaster for Austin's ESPN radio station. And so Sean was deeply loved by our community, by our church. And the first thing I said to our church is a story that you all know. You've probably heard Josh tell multiple times. The story of Beverly and Rick when they left that hospital, Baylor Grapevine, after Josh's sister Jenny passed away. And when Beverly walks out of that hospital, she turns to Rick and says, after her daughter just died, she says to her husband, remind me what we believe. He says, the tomb is empty. And in death, we need to be reminded of what we believe. And what we believe is that we have been set free from the ensnarement and the enslavement to death. Because the same one who raised Jesus from the dead, that spirit is inside of us. And that's our hope. And that's our trust. Our trust is not in our ability to do something, but God's ability to do something for us which we can't do. I had some friends who were uh, working on a, a book project researching the idea of finding strength and weakness. And so they go to this home of uh, an older couple who have been just heroes of the faith, pillars of a church. And they ask the question, how have you found that God's strength is found in weakness? And the wife, Rita, said, ask me in a few years... And I'll be able to tell you. And then she kind of walked off. She said it kind of cryptically. And so these two guys who were around my age were kind of confused. What did, what did Rita mean when she said that? And when, when they sensed that she was kind of far enough away uh, that they could ask a follow-up question to her husband to explain, they said, well, they said well, what did she mean by that? And Rita's husband said, Rita, Rita is in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And what she's terrified of is that eventually she's going to forget who Jesus is. Eventually her mind's not going to be there and not going to be able to remind her of who her Lord and Savior is. And he said, I always tell Rita what matters is not that you remember Jesus. What matters is that Jesus remembers you. What saves us is not that we have a spirit that resurrects anyone. It's that God's spirit, which resurrects Jesus and also us, is inside of us. It's not that we remember. It's that God remembers us. Some of you might have seen the movie that came out last year, The Lion. It's a story about uh, a five-year-old boy who gets lost in a train. His brother dies, and now he's on this train. It takes him all the way thousands of miles away from home. He's eventually adopted into this new family. And then 25 years later, he starts having memories of back home. But he was five when he left, and he he doesn't know a whole lot. And so armed with a few memories from 25 years before and Google Maps, he finds his way home. He finds his way home, and his mom is all alone but she still lives in that same neighborhood. 
And when interviewed as to why she stayed in this 60-minute piece talking about the story that was in the movie, she said, I stayed here because I knew this is where my son would find me. She's never leaving. She's never leaving. She's always, this is, this is where my son's going to find me. I'm going to stay here. Your heavenly parent says to you, I'm always here for you. You might get lost. You might go somewhere else. You might get stuck on a train that takes you to a completely different way of life than you knew you should be living. But God is always right here for you. It doesn't matter if you remember. It's that God remembers. It doesn't matter if your spirit is not able to resurrect yourself. It's that God's spirit is able to resurrect you. Back in uh, December, I was gathered with my in-laws for the holiday season. And my wife's grandfather cornered me and said, hey, I got a question I want to ask you. Now, when you're in my profession, or maybe it's just me, not what I do for a living, but people never like, hey, I got a question for you, Luke. Uh, I'm trying to rebuild this carburetor. How do you think I should do it? Thank you for laughing, Josh. You get that. And so this man who... um, a super amazing person. He's the, he's the guy who, he was a veteran. He was a state champion in track down in Humble, Texas. Uh, he, um, he always wins the card games in the family. I don't know how. I've given him lots of quarters. Uh, sorry, gambling is not appropriate here, I guess. Um, I live in Austin. I mean, things pretty liberal down there. Um, two and a half years earlier, uh, his wife of 61 years had passed. And so he corners me, and we go back to a a separate room in the house, and he says, when I get to heaven, how am I going to recognize Shirley? And it it says that there's no tears in heaven, but when I get there, am I going to be able to see my grandkids and my great-grandkids? Because it says there's no tears there, and if I can't see them, I, I can't imagine not crying. And it's one thing to talk about heaven when you're my age. It's one thing to, to, to preach a sermon about heaven. It's another thing to talk about heaven to someone who's on the doorsteps of the great unknown, whose wife has preceded him in death. So he says, what, what is it going to be like? And honestly, I don't know. I've read the books. People try to describe what heaven's like. I read a book not too long ago that said when we get to heaven, we're all going to have like apartments or townhouses, and in the back we're going to have a veranda and a garden. I'm like, I I must have missed that part of the Bible. Like, where where are you getting that from, man? So I don't know. I don't know the answer to these questions. So what I told Bud, my wife's grandpa, is this. I said, I I don't know the answer to those questions. I, I really don't. But what I do know is that God is good and God is loving. And that thing inside of you that makes you love your wife and your grandkids and your great-grandkids so much is what we would call the image of God. And God will honor the part of God that's inside of you. Because God will make it right. And our, our, our hope is not that we can figure out all the answers and have it all understood, but that God is good and that God is faithful. And Paul says, The same one who resurrected Jesus has put his spirit inside of you. 
And our hope is not in our ability to do things right, but that spirit of God that's inside of us. And so that's the spirit we live out of. Amen? Can I tell you one story about Josh? You guys good with that? Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, when my wife and I, my wife's name is Lindsay. When Lindsay and I got engaged, she got a, a diamond ring and I got a dog. And I think it was a pretty good deal because it wasn't that dog in the picture. It was like a real dog. We had this, uh, it was a real dog. He was like this 94-pound boxer. He was amazing, uh, made up for all my insecurities. And um, we had him for, for eight years. And then uh, the veterinarian said that he had cancer and that... Um, it was time for him to go to the big uh, playpen in the sky. And so it's a, they tell me that on Saturday, and so on Monday I'm going to bring him into the, the clinic, and they're going to put him down. And so Monday morning I decide, okay, this is, this is it. Um, and so I decide we're going to at least try to make the trip down there nice. So we're going to go to Chick-fil-A and get him those, those nuggets that he loves so much. And so we get to Chick-fil-A, and I order like a 12-piece nugget or whatever it was, and and those Chick-fil-A people, they're always nice, like, too much. Like, guys, tone it down. That would be my pleasure. Um, and so we get to the drive through line. Hey, my pleasure, everything. Like, yeah. I get there, and they give me my food. I say, thank you. And he goes, oh, that's a beautiful dog. And I'm like, oh, stop it. <laughs> thank you. And then he says to me, well, what are you guys going to do today? We're going to Wendy's next time. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> and so we drive down. We go to the place. I bring Chief inside with me. And uh, there's like a, a kind of like a grandma type lady who's at the counter. And I know her. We've been there a lot. And she's, hi, Luke. Hi, Chief. And we walk back. And then, and then I, I, I leave the room by myself. And like there's levels of crying. Like there's like, hey, I have allergies. And then there's like, I've got a hat that I'm going to try to pull down real low so you can't see. And then you just have like ugly cry, like where no hat can cover that. Like imagine like a, a teenage girl who goes to a Justin Bieber concert and like loses her tickets like that. That's where I was. And I walk out like no hat can cover this. And she says, she says to the whole, it looks like someone needs a hug. And I go, it's me. I'm the one who needs a hug. And so she gives me a hug. And so I'm, I'm all upset and I'm devastated and and I get home, and I'm, I'm upset for a few days, and, um, and then I get a call from Josh. Now, I know Josh has a dog right now, but Josh was not a dog person back then. Like, oh, my clothes are going to get dirty if your dog jumps on me. <laughs> and if you had seen the clothes that Josh wore before Casey fixed him, it's not like they could get much worse. Like, everything was like a Jesus gym kind of shirt, right? And basketball shorts. And he calls me up, and he goes, I heard, I heard about Chief. Uh, I'm so sorry. And I said, Josh, Jenny just died a few weeks ago. Uh, what are you calling me about my dog for? He goes, I know how much that dog meant to you. I go, your sister just died. And he calls me. You only do that kind of stuff if you've got love, if you have the spirit of love inside of you. That says, I, I know I'm going through something way bigger than what you're going through, but I got love. That's, 
the spirit that's inside of us. That it's not just about what's best for me. It's that I learn to care and I love others. Because it's not the game of resuscitation. It's about resurrection, which means there's new life for everyone. The problem, it's so easy, it's, it's easy to go back to resuscitation and just think, you know what, I can't see resurrection, I, I, I can't feel it, I can't hold on to it, and so what I can see is this life, and so maybe I just want some resuscitation. It's easy to go back to that. Uh, there's a story in John 21, this is after the resurrection, and I just realized this morning that I stole this from Josh's new book, so sorry Josh. Um, it's really good though. In, um, let's jump to, to John 21. And this is after the, the resurrection. Uh, then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. So Jesus resurrected. They, they're not sure what's happening. And so Peter is in the boat, um, and he, he's taken his clothes off to fish. Now, I'm not a fisherman. I don't know if that's normal or not. Maybe it is. But he sees that it's the resurrected Jesus, and then he puts his clothes back on, and then jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. Now, what did Peter and some of the other, other disciples do before Jesus called them to be fishers of men? They were fishers of fish. And I wonder, and, and, and I wonder if what's happening here is if Peter put all of his eggs in the basket of Jesus, Jesus dies, and then all of a sudden he goes... Maybe I need, need to resuscitate my old life. And I'm going to go back to my old job and my old way of living. Because I can't see the resurrection. And maybe some of us, we've put our eggs in the basket of Jesus, and then we don't see resurrection like that. And so it's easy to go back to our old way of life. And go, maybe resuscitation, maybe just a little better version of this is all I need. The message of Jesus is that the resurrected Jesus keeps showing up. And people will give you phone calls when you're down. People will bring you meals. People will give you a hug. People will say, hey, I'm so glad to see you. And you see the resurrected Jesus. You see the resurrected Jesus in the body and the blood which we participate in every Sunday. And it's a chance for us to say, no, 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 I don't need resuscitation. I need resurrection. Because that's life. And the reason we hold to that is because the same one who raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit, let me tell you something, it's in you. And that's enough. Amen? Let's pray. God, teach us to not settle for resuscitation. Teach us to cling and hold to resurrection. Because we have your spirit inside of us. And God, teach us to live from the Spirit, not from the flesh. Because the flesh will tempt us into saying, you just need a little bit more of this world. And you just need a little bit better resuscitation. But let us cling to the Spirit, which says that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in him, even though they die, they shall live. In his name we pray. Amen.